0: Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk Thank you for listening. And caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, The Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and they didn't spare a single living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites called out to God because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was thrashing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. they chosen one option. One option, when God is not blessing the church, is to dig in and hide. And that's what we looked at last time. But actually, they also started to choose another option. They got to such a low point where they realised that digging in and hiding wasn't the answer. And they started to do something else. Simply they started to cry out to God. And that's something we should consider. When God is not blessing his church, we need to consider crying out to God. But what should we cry? When you look around at what's happening in Christian circles at the moment, there are many today who are beginning to cry out to God There's a great body of prayer warriors beginning to stir in this nation and in other nations. And events are being organised to try and rally these people together. You see events like Trumpet Call held at the NEC. But what can we pray? What do you think the Midianites, sorry, what do you think the Israelites prayed? What did they call out to God? do you think they called out God smash those Midianites and when we come up against things should we be praying in a similar vein if you you look in the New Testament certainly the feeling you get amongst Jesus' contemporaries was they wanted to pray smash that Roman yoke of oppression that's on us set us free And so, we could easily be tempted to pray, God, break down that atheistic culture in this country. Break through, let the atheists see you. But I don't think that's what God is really waiting to hear. Because it isn't where the main problem lies. What they ought to have prayed for and what we need to seek for is revealed in the answer that God gave them. When they began to cry out to him, he actually supplied three answers. He supplied firstly a prophetic explanation of what was going on in their nation. And then as you read further on in the passage, the bit I haven't read yet, you'll find he appointed an anointed leadership and raised a committed army. And that was God's response. And I believe that is what God wants to do in his church now. Praying against spiritualists. And occult conferences are really only attacking the pimples on the surface of the problem. Our problem isn't simply with the enemy. Our problem is with God. And he wants to speak to us through a prophetic voice. That's what he did in David's day. He sent the prophet Samuel. And Samuel in turn anointed a fresh leadership... And then he gathered a committed army under David. That formula was repeated again in Jesus' day. First came John the Baptist, and then our saviour, and then ultimately the committed army of the church. It is a pattern that God has used time and time again through history. And so this prophetic message was brought to Gideon's generation. And it reminded them, firstly, that they were meant to be a covenant people. They were a people, a nation, who had entered into a promise with God. He said, and it's in verse 8 from that passage in Judges, I brought you out of Egypt... I delivered you against powerful forces. The Egyptians were far too powerful for you, so I delivered you and brought you into the land. But you haven't obeyed me. You didn't drive out your enemies. Throughout the book of Judges, God repeatedly was challenging the nation of Israel. He'd performed such wonders for his people. He'd parted the Red Sea. He'd provided for them in the wilderness. And yet, they had not obeyed him. He told them that they were to drive out the enemy forces and all their evil practices from the land he was giving them. But that isn't what Israel did. Instead of driving them out, they learned to live with them. And after a while, they found they weren't only coexisting with the Canaanites, but they were starting to worship their gods. In effect, they were committing spiritual adultery. They were meant to come into the land, purge it of, ease, of evil, and establish the kingdom of God but instead of doing that they settled and they got used to evil going on around them and actually started to accept those standards and then they started to bow down to the Amorite gods the false gods of that age and that is what grieved God most and I just fear that God would raise some of the same issues with his church today our current weakness in the church is not a lack of power so much it's not to do with the strength of our enemies it's to do with spiritual adultery our God remains the same he's the same holy God and I think he'd say Deliver yourselves from the gods that are around you. Step out. Be a people for me. And you will see my power come. And you will see my glory in your day. So what are these false gods that we worship today? I think there's loads of them, unfortunately. But I'm just going to mention about three. The first is money money dominates today's society so many people spend their whole life and energy just striving for more and more and more in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus said quite simply you can't serve God and money if you serve money you will be trapped in the cares of this world and it will start to preoccupy you and it will bring you into bondage. In Matthew six twenty one, we read "But Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, a lot of us would say, money has no hold over me, no power at all. But I know people who would say that, but wouldn't be able to give up the offer of promotion or better prospects in another area in order to remain where God wanted them to be and was using them. If they were offered a job in another town, even if there was no dynamic, living, spirit-filled church, they would go. They would say, there's bound to be a church there. Well, we all know there are lots of churches. And it's easy to say, oh, we'll find something when we get there. But actually, what they're doing is putting the kingdom of God second to their own desires. Jesus said to us, so don't worry saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We all too often get caught up waiting for the things that will follow and forget to seek those things first. Do we make our decisions according to his standards or according to the world around us? Are we people who put our careers first and as a result lose our way? We've seen people like that, I'm sure. Their spiritual lives have declined and their children have grown up robbed of a living church. And if you haven't seen it, I have. Our heart attitude to money is also tested by our reaction to giving. Many say, with inflation and my mortgage and all the other things I have to pay for, I can't afford to give. Oh, I give what I can, but tithing? That's ridiculous. But Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. And he then went on to say, it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And the analogy he's using is of a big measure, and you fill it with corn. And having filled it with corn, what you find is if you press it down, you can fit some more in. And actually, because of the shape of the corn, having pressed it down, if you shake it, it settles even further. And you can fit some more in. And he then says, not only will we press down what is given to you and shake it so we can fit more in, but we'll then let it run over as well. We won't just strike off the surface. It will be running over. He said, don't fear, give. It's a different way of life. And it defies what the gods of this world tell us because they warn us that we have to hold on to things or we'll be in a terrible state when the end of the month comes. Jesus said something entirely different. Give, and it will be given to you. He says that those who obey those words will have solid foundations in their lives. In Proverbs 11:24, it says, There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due and yet it results only in want. Those who say, I can't give, I can't afford it, aren't responding to the voice of God. They're responding to the gods of this world. Jesus used an analogy. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man who found treasure in a field. And he said to himself, I'm going to go and sell everything I own in order to possess that field. Everything must go. I must have that treasure. I must have the kingdom of God. What he was saying was, I want to be in a kingdom where God moves with power. I want to see the demonstration of the glory of Jesus. I want my dear Saviour, who bled and died and was exalted, glorified. I want to be in his kingdom. I'm not going to throw it away by making secular considerations i found something, and it's worth everything. The pearl, a great price. And I'm going to give up everything else to obtain it. I'm going to give up everything to be in the center of God's will. That's what he was saying with that analogy. How is it with you? That's the standard Jesus talked about. And he said, that's how it is when people follow him. He gave up everything. Jesus gave up everything to possess us. And he wants us to show the same response to him. He wants a bride caught up in the magnitude of his love not a people ensnared in the cares of this world. When Terry Virgo talks about his early years as a Christian, he says, One of the things that God used to provoke me into full-time ministry was a meeting with a young Jehovah's Witness. He was financing himself by window-cleaning each morning so he could go out knocking doors with his message in the afternoon. And I thought, here am I, giving all my time to work and travelling to work, but this fellow has given everything to serve a miserable cult. God is looking for a whole army that will arise with this clear priority and it's the pearl of great price, the pearl that is beyond price. So our goal shouldn't be how much can we get away with, how much can we hold on to. It's not about seeking a career or your home or your own prospects first. Jesus is looking for a totally different attitude. And he said that if we can't be clear about that, we won't make progress with him, because we can't serve both God and money. And that's one of the biggest gods in the world around us at the moment. It's money. The second... an equally powerful god and it's a preoccupation with sex it was worshipped in Gideon's generation the goddess Ashtoreth among all the other evil practices was a goddess of sexual perversion and we live in a generation that is obsessed by sex and the numberless lives held in its grip we hear sometimes young people say it's hard today everyone talks about it at school and I get laughed at there's only two or three of us in our class that are still virgins oh I do mean to marry my boyfriend one day and I'm sure God understands well I suppose we have to let the standard drop a bit God's standards have never changed. And yet many in his church have given in to the pressure to follow the world. They let go of their purity because of an ugly, ensnaring God that prevails in our world today. But God has given us everything. He's given us everything we need for life and for godliness it says in 2 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4 his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who was called sorry who called us by his own glory and goodness we mustn't and we needn't serve other gods. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be holy. He wants our standards to be bright and clear and visible. It's not only the young, though, that get caught up with this God. People in middle years sometimes face new areas of temptation and challenge. People find a warmth of friendship with others in the church and suddenly they find themselves lured and under pressure. But God wants a people who will not bow down to this God. In the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks against a church that tolerated adultery. His burning gaze... Penetrated the situation and it says with a sword proceeding from his mouth he would deal with his church concerning the worship of other gods. He sees it as spiritual adultery. It's obeying the powers of this world and following its gods and giving in to its ways. Jesus is seeking faithfulness. He's seeking his people, his bride. And we need to live in purity before him. He wants us to be free from sexual sin that stalks in our world. It's not enough to say everybody else is doing it. We've got to be free. We've got to stand up and be free from these pressures... In God's power and the third one that I want to talk about this morning is worldly wisdom and that's a God that has always attempted to creep into the church Paul spelt out very clearly the difference between the gospel and worldly wisdom he teached but the gospel of the cross is folly, it's utter foolishness to this world. A worldly man thinks he's outgrown the gospel of a cross and shed blood. He'd rather speak about philosophy. He's too sophisticated to believe in such primitive nonsense. The God of worldly wisdom is a subtle one. And yet, many willingly give in to its pressure. Some, because of the things God speaks of in his word, they aren't easily understood. But actually, rather than be outspoken with the foolishness of our message, we try and make things acceptable for the people around us. People do that with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues, they rejoice in new experiences, but then restrict that to discreet midweek meetings. Sunday services remain unchanged, nice and ordered. A service that's calculated not to offend anyone. And that's worldly wisdom coming in. Don't offend. Let's be quiet. Let's just keep it. Played down. The Bible contains so much that is actually offensive to the intellect. It is offensive to the thinking of this world. But God called us to be wholehearted in our commitment to His truth, in our commitment to the cross, and in our commitment to the outpouring of His Spirit, and in our commitment to to the church coming to the fullness of its stature. In Gideon's day, they gave themselves to the worship of other gods. And God's prophetic word to them was, I will not own you until you put these things right. And I think it's his word to the church today. God won't ever say, well, if they can't do what I want, I'll drop the standards. He'll simply wait for another generation. That's not because God's weak. You know, we serve a God who if someone goes to a wall and writes on it, God is dead. Our God isn't thrown by that. Why? Because he sits as the king of all heaven and earth forever. Now we can get anxious about people saying God is dead. But actually, whatever they say, Jesus is king. And if we don't pick up the baton and run with it, he will wait for another generation. God will have a people who live according to his standard. Why? So that he can display them for his glory and honour. God wants us to be free from this world. So how do we get free? There's only one way. And it's through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians 6, May it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I'm going to boast in the memory of it. He didn't say, I'm going to boast in the cross as I consider what Jesus did for me. He said, may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He glorified in it. He understood it. He had experienced the life-saving power of the cross. And in fact, he said, the cross has released me from this world. I've been crucified to it. It's delivered me from the gods that are all around me. And I now live to God as one who is raised from life, from the dead again. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The cross isn't something just to look back on in memory. It's a mighty, powerful instrument in our lives that sets us free today through it we have died to all the gods of this age in order that we can rise up holy, pure and free I want to ask you a question this morning is that the way you are living? if God's prophetic word to us today is the same as it was in the days of the judges He's saying, I am your covenant God. I brought you out of Egypt, but you're worshipping other gods. You make your decisions before them rather than before me. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I have this against you. And prophet after prophet in the Old Testament thundered out those words. They spoke continually and time after time against compromise. Elijah said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. That's in 1 Kings 18.21. If we will hear this word now, and if we will respond as Gideon did, then God will move again. And do you know, the beauty is, it only needs a small number to obey at first. God said in Isaiah that the increase of his government will be as at the battle of Midian. And as we look further at what happens with Gideon, we find out he overcame the Midianites with a very small group of soldiers. And what it's saying is God's kingdom will continue to increase, even if it's due to a small group of people. Gideon's time was a time when a small group of people heard the prophet followed anointed leadership and committed themselves to being in the army and that was all God needed and I believe that's all he's waiting for in his church today and then he can turn this nation upside down but actually we don't need to pray about the midianites we don't need to worry about their camels or whatever the modern equivalent of them might be we need to respond to that prophetic word this is what the lord the god of israel says i brought you up out of egypt out of a land of slavery i snatched you from the power of egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors I drove them from before you and I gave you their land and I said to you I am the Lord your God do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live but you haven't listened to me I just want to ask you what gods are you serving today? What is it that stops you seeking the kingdom first with everything you have? Is it money? Thoughts of prosperity? Is it possessions? A bigger or better house or a faster car? Is it about career or recognition? (coughs) Education? or success and that's only the start of the list whatever it is give it to God ask him for forgiveness and ask him to help you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because then everything else you need will be added to you just to stand. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.